4: Hello and welcome to True Romance. This is Carolina Barlow. And this is Devin Leary. We are talking today about our neutral state, which is that of obscene codependence. You know how like when two, the the whole story of two fish talking about water and one of them goes, what's water? That's like when I found out about codependence. I was like, relationships. You mean general day-to-day. When people were like, okay, well, you're not supposed to feel like you're going to die if you go through a breakup. And I was like, okay, well, then what do you do? And people were like, you can go to work if your dog looks sad. And I was like, no, you stay at home and you hold that dog until everyone is happy and there's no problems in the world. Yeah, I... I just, um, little disclaimer,
5: <laughs> not going to be my best self this episode, having a tough week because of codependency, feeling un even unready to talk about it because I don't have any hopeful things to say about it. But I've been going to a program every day for codependency type issues. Is that fair to describe it? Like a program for people who have like
4: very accurate yeah so
5: like everything everyone says in this program that is like you should not make your people around use issues about you you should um focus on yourself you should not be so affected by this other person being in a bad mood or being upset or something like to me that sounds like climbing mount everest like i'm like getting to that place i can't even physically possibly imagine and the reason I'm in a bad mood is because a loved one of mine is like going through something and it completely has thrown me and it's like I've just like absorbed it to mean something about me and I it's just like completely thrown me into a tailspin. And I so I really want to like learn how to not have that happen where it's like like this is what people talk about in this program and that book attached and stuff is like someone can be in a bad mood and you can be okay. That's not how I am at all. Like if my mom is like I have a headache I'm like okay so what are we gonna do? What's gonna happen? You know or like you said if my dog I mean one time (laughs) one time my mom said I said oh Eddie. Eddie is like my family's dog. I'm like oh, Eddie, he's, why does he curl up in a ball like that? It's so cute. And my mom goes, because he's cold. And I I actually teared up. I was like, no,
2: wait, he's cold. He's cold. Oh, my God, no.
5: And she's like, it's fine. Like, obviously, he's fine. I'm like trying to put blankets on him. He doesn't even want the blankets. He's like, what? Like, no, I'm like a trash garbage dog from the streets of Texas, and it's fine. And I'm, like, trying to force blankets on him. That is my life with everyone. and A very good metaphor. Also, like, the other side of it is, like, because I put so much weight on people around me, then I get, like, so easily angry at people, too, I think. I mean, I'm not really sure. Again, I don't have, like, the wisdom on this. But I feel like it's, like, yeah, like, as in our friendship a lot, it has come up where it's, like, I make you so important in my life and like so responsible for my emotions because you're like my best friend. Then if like, like years ago when I didn't get to be a part of your group Halloween costume and I was like completely devastated and sobbing in the corner and told you that I was like, like n- never going to forgive you because you were having so much fun without me that I've, <laughs> I've progressed night. since that. But I was like, oh my God, Carolina doesn't want me to be in her Spice Girls group costume. Like, okay, so I'm not her best friend. So these other friends are closer to her than me. And like, well, wait, I like do so much for this friendship. Like, how are we not best friends on that level? Okay. So I'm just supposed to be by myself, slutty butterfly Halloween costume. And all my friends are in a
4: group costume together. Like, so I think that I have a, a different kind of codependency with you where I don't allow people to have the dignity of their own experience and having a hard time. I truly believe that if a situation is going to be successful, if a person is going to be happy, I need to be a part of managing that experience. Yes. And I have to make sure they don't make a mistake. And I have to control this situation. That's basically the thing about it. And I think I have better ideas than any other human on how to make sure you're living your best life. Yes. Even though I haven't, I'm not saying my my life is great, but I, I'm not necessarily perfect at managing my own experiences. And I read a book recently that I'm not going to recommend because it's not very good. But there's a therapist in it who's talking about how intimacy means that people might be upset. It's a book about group therapy. And in this group therapy, people are crying in the group therapy. People are screaming out of anger in the group therapy. And other therapy members just have to sit there and watch and even reading about it was a struggle for me because it made me so uncomfortable and conflict in general makes me uncomfortable. And, you know, something I think a lot about me and you is that our relationship is very close. We work on so many work projects together. Besides that, we're very good friends. And I think one time we got into a slight work argument about a year ago and I I felt like so full of panic and if I'm not allowed to have a fight with someone I'm close to, that blocks intimacy. And in my head, if I'm in a fight with someone, then the love isn't there. And that's just not true. And that can't be true. And in the same way, I have to allow that a relationship is going to be okay, and a person is going to be okay if they make mistakes. I think you have the same experience that I do, whereas some of the biggest mistakes, and I say big, capital B, big, and let's throw a capital M for mistakes in there, I've made have led me to personal growth that is truly priceless. Either staying in a relationship that was so toxic in my early 20s that strangers asked me to leave it, to moving to New York City when my parents told me, please do not do that. All of these things led me to growth that I wish on people who have not had the same challenges or have gone through the same pain. And yet I want to protect people from that.
5: Yes. Everything you said, like I totally do the same exact thing where I'm like, okay, this person's life would just be fixed if they would listen to me. And, um, like a lot of times, like I, I have struggled a lot with like giving unwarranted advice when it giving advice when it wasn't asked for and then really regretting it because then the person felt like I was like basically like judging them because I was being like, no 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 like it's gotta be like this because you deserve better in this and blah blah blah. And it's like what? And one of my favorite things is about you as a friend that I actually was just telling someone about. I was like the thing about Carolina is I've never once felt like she's judging me when I ask her for advice. Like much to your Chagrin, probably, because I come to you with everything, because I just know that you won't like be like, well, then if she's like complaining about this person, why is she in a relationship with them? Or and even if you do do that, I know that I won't feel it. Like maybe I leave, and you're like, okay, Denise, Devin is being so stupid, but I don't even care about that. Family meeting.
4: Family meeting. Devin stupid. Um, no, but but yeah, like, well, it goes back to the same thing where I don't have to manage someone's problems to love them, and I actually don't know the solution to them, and. I think it's so funny. What I think about you a lot is that how you're a lot stronger than you give yourself credit for. And I've gotten to see that firsthand. And I think it's been hard for me mainly because I knew you when I was only a couple of years older, but it felt like 10 years older (laughs) at the time. Because I was actually
5: (laughs) emotionally a seven-year-old. Yeah.
4: When you were crying in a slutty butterfly costume, I was like, okay, so... This is a daycare student, and I am an <laughs> elderly daycare teacher. Okay, slutty daycare would student really, would have been a good costume. I'm not going to lie. I really, when you were upset, I did think about it a lot, and I worried about it a lot. But I can let other people have problems and not manage them. And, and you know, I mean, listen, it all comes back to Demetria Lovato, but she didn't choose sobriety. Someone chose it for her when she was 17. Yeah. And one of the best things that happened to me and and one of the things that lent me the most strength was people letting me make a mistake and not trying to manage it because then I really fully understood it was a choice. Mm -hmm. So people, when they stopped telling me to get sober, when people stopped telling me to get out of a relationship, I really had to realize that my life is my responsibility. No one is going to come rescue me. And then you get to make a decision and then you get to look back on that decision and be proud of it.
5: Yeah, I was also just thinking and talking about this, too, is that like the truth is I've never I I get so fearful about decisions. I literally have done entire therapy sessions about whether or not to go on a trip that is like just a personal pleasure trip. And I've been like, I actually have no idea if I can go. And like, it's really crazy. But it's because I'm so afraid of of disappointing people and like doing the wrong thing or like I just have so much like scarcity quality um, or scarcity complex. But the truth is I have never, when it comes to important decisions, I have never, when it comes down to it, not had a moment of clarity. I always have a moment where I'm like, now I see this is the right thing to do. Like now I see I have to leave this job. Now I see I have to end this relationship and it couldn't be more clear. It always comes down to that. And for me, because I, I, again, I don't want to comment on like, other people's relationships because this is just in my past experience and i know that there's i've been privileged in that my experiences aren't haven't been as complicated as having like kids involved and like all that stuff but um i i just get so panicked that i can't even be present in the moments that i'm in because i'm like well i is this right is this wrong does this person love me are they gonna leave me are they gonna whatever and it's so interesting because Yes. Like you were saying, I, that fight that we had about working together, like I am glad we had that because I did learn so much from it. And like, we did grow from it. And the weird thing is like, I have, I've never once in my life been like, well, I don't really know about like Caroline and I being friends. Like I've always been like, no, no, no. We love each other. We'll always be best friends, but like this, but at the same time on the other end, I don't believe that about other people for myself. So like you said, like, I think, but I don't know if they will still want to be friends with me. Like, and that's really my struggle is that for me, my codependency feels so fear based, where I'm just like, I'm so afraid this person is not telling me that they don't feel the same way about me or something. Or like, and I have to find that out right now. I have to find out if that person is going to be okay right now. I need to know that they're not going to be depressed right now. I need to know that they're going to change their life right now because i'm so afraid and i don't trust that everything will be okay even if i don't control it and that's what i've been coming to grips with and it's like so painful
4: it's painful and it's also what i always talk about in this podcast that i love talking about relationships mainly cuz i think once you have figured out that things can be easier and relationships and problems in relationships don't have to take up the majority of your life then you can pursue your calling, mm-hmm. because your calling isn't to manage relationships. It's just not. Your calling is to figure out your purpose here in life. And and I, when I say manage relationships, I'm not talking about being a homemaker, being a wife and a mother. Those are really noble callings. I'm not saying that. I'm saying to figure out the interpersonal dramas, to figure out how you can keep a relationship happy isn't shouldn't be your full-time job it should be a mutual experience so what codependency looks like for me personally is a preoccupation what i mean by that is checking my phone at dinner not being able to literally hear words that are coming out of a person's mouth because i'm thinking about another person's experience who's not in the room yes that is my experience right now yes Whether I'd like to acknowledge it or not, my needs suddenly move down the line to second, to third, to fourth because I identify someone else's needs as my first priority. So if a boyfriend needs something, if a relative needs something, all I'll think about is taking care of that and I won't be able to be happy unless I know that they're okay first. And what I have to sort of surrender to is that, Other people are not having that experience that a lot of times if someone if you're doing that much heavy lifting in a relationship, the other person just doesn't. Yeah. You know, I've been in relationships that have been healthy where I I haven't felt that way at first. And then all of a sudden I'm I can't concentrate because all I'm worrying about is if this person's upset about a situation that I'm not involved in. Right. No. And sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's I, I I need room for other areas of my life, and I can't be worried that um I, I I can't hold water in my hands, which is essentially what I try to do with another person's feelings.
5: Yeah, it's I the preoccupation thing, yes, and also like I I am. I want to be clear that I am like this with like everything, as Carolina said, and I have spent entire therapy sessions talking about friends' problems. I've honestly probably done an entire therapy session talking about your problems, Carolina, and being like, "Okay, Carolina went through I this owe you traumatic, a like hundred dollars, <laughs> yeah. Carolina went through a traumatic thing. How do I be helpful to her? Like, and just." just like not being able to rest if and if a friend is going through something and then they call me and I miss the call, you know, and I've had the experience where a friend was going through something while another friend had just flown across the country to visit me. And I was like stepping out from like dinner with this person who had again flown across the country to be with me so that I could talk on the phone because I was like, I'm so worried. And it's like, I felt like I just couldn't trust in that moment that if I, it's like giving myself way too much power where I think like, if yes. I don't like try to help in this moment, then like no one will be okay.
3: I want true romance.
0: Hacks is back for season three and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy winning comedy series.
3: for 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.
5: So I my first be- realized that I was codependent in a relationship I was in a while ago where I thought that this person needed help. Looking back on this relationship, by the way, I'm like, my behavior was so, so harmfully codependent. But at the time, I like thought I was doing the right thing. And... I thought this person needed help with like this issue and it became all I could think about. By the way, they're not asking for help with the issue. They don't want help with the issue. I'm like never highlighting pages from books and sending it to them like and I was reading um, this book at the time that I'll find the title of um, and it's I think it's called Women Who Love Too Much which is like so corny but I was just reading everything at the time about codependency and it said like women tend to be codependent with their like interpersonal relationships, whereas men tend to be codependent with work. So it's possible to be codependent with like your job. If it's like, if your job is not okay, you can't be present. Like if your job is not okay, you leave a dinner and you leave parts of your life that actually matter because you're so obsessed with your job. But women are conditioned to think that like relationships are what matters most to us. And so we tend to be like, my friend's going through something, My like whoever, like I can't, Nothing's okay until this person's okay, um, and I I I do that. And I also sorry I'm like rabble rousing. <laughs> You're not rabble mouthing or whatever. But I also think I'm rabid. Sorry that I have rabies, but that's it for another day. But I just have to say that I also think that I like use this as a way to avoid fixing myself. Yes. Like I'm like I'll fix your problem so I don't have to
4: fix my own. So much easier. Yeah. I remember the relief I felt when I made my college boyfriend my life and I just suddenly had a life plan that revolved around him. And I think that women are taught that that is romantic. Yes. And um, mainly from the movie Twilight when Robert Pattinson tells Kristen Stewart, you are my life now. And I have truly felt that way after one date with someone because I am psychotic and nobody should feel that way. If a guy feels that way, it isn't romantic. It's actually scary. Yeah. And so take all of that passion and figure out what would life look like if you were your own life? If you are your life, what am I going to do with it? You know, I don't know if that's getting a jacuzzi or working at the ACLU. But along with that, this is something that changed my way of thinking this week. And it's radical. Okay. Someone said to me... A way to sort of be at peace is to not have a way. Mm -hmm. So what that means is things aren't going my way or not my way. There is no way they need to go. Right. So I have to stop forcing things. Right. And if a person's going to be happy, I may think I'm being very industrious and kind by trying to guide them. And like you said, giving... What I think is valuable because my therapist—I've invested so much money in therapy over ten years, fifteen years, whatever—I um, think that this advice is truly has flecks of gold in it, like golden that slit your throat so that the alcohol can get in deeper. I truly think it's that valuable, and what I'm really trying to do is make this person feel a different way so that I can feel okay. Yes. So I think I'm being kind, but really I'm being controlling so that I can sleep better. But this person is going to have the dignity of their own experience. So I do not have a way. They can do whatever they want. If they ask me for my advice, I will give them my advice. But I will stop trying to control situations because people have done what I have suggested. And sometimes it does not work out well. And then I'm left thinking, why did I try to control this situation? It didn't even add to anything.
5: I know. And there were so many times when when you and I did first meet and like as was spoken before I was a slutty daycare student and I didn't know how to have a normal conversation or show up for life. But sometimes I would say like, well, I don't really want to do this and like I don't really want to like work on this or whatever. And you would be like, "Okay," And I was like, what? (laughs) And that made me want to do it. And it's like if you had been like, no, Devin, no, you have to, which is what I do. Like I'm like, Okay, no, listen to me one more time. Listen to me one more time. Just listen to me one more time. I think if you listen to me one more time, you'll understand that I know what you have to do. Something that you were saying made me think of the pop culture representations of this is like we also get fed these narratives. Um, Like you said, what if your life was just like, um, what if you just took control of your own life and that's what mattered and, and that was your priority? That's not not ever what we're fed in like these love story narratives. It's always like, oh my god, true romance, Tru- Just said it by accident. Whoa. Okay, this is that part in the movie when you say you say Birdman, yeah. Um. So if this was Birdman, I would have just said Birdman. Okay, so the the movies and TV, the pictures and the uh, small screens, always telling us that. We have to like give our entire selves to a love for it to matter, or like you know, I'm trying to think of an example, but there's like just so many that I'm
4: like, I don't even know I know um we we have to be backstage for a relationship if that makes sense, yeah, our story is whatever's happening on stage and and we're our direct experience is backstage to that. I'll give an example, okay, a star is born, yes, yes she's consumed with managing this alcoholics relationship, but in reality, she has a singing career. She has to do. Yes. She wants to go tour in Europe and please fast forward. If you haven't seen stars born, cause here comes a spoiler. When he dies, she performs on stage at the end. And what she is going to face is her own career for the first time. I'll never love again. Not one of my favorite songs in the movie, I'm going to be honest. It reminded me a little bit too much of Mariah Carey at the end of Glitter. I was like, wow, Bradley Cooper, you are really ripping off Glitter He's really
5: mining the greats. And can we blame him? (laughs) I don't think so.
4: Okay, so actually, I do have an
5: example. And it's every scene where the person... So like I just rewatched all these rom-coms and I realized like there's always a scene where it's like someone was going to go on with their normal life and then they were like no no just kidding I'm running to the airport I'm giving up on whatever the fuck it is I'm doing never mind just kidding here I am and it's like okay in Garden State for example you should probably figure out your medication you don't even know what your diagnosis is you just said you were on lithium you went off it and now you like just lost a parent and now you're going back to LA for work like those all sound like important priorities
4: why did you have to run back through the airport to natalie portman just to be like this is what love is it's not how to lose a guy in 10 days andy leaves at the end of the movie to go write as a a professional journalist to cover politics in dc matthew mcconaughey chases her down and she's like i have to go write real stories yes like no you don't (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, I really don't want to besmirch a movie that means so much to me and what I truly believe is a comic piece of gold and that I still quote to this day as in when she's in the movie theater and she says, my boyfriend's going to beat your ass, which I have said with every single boyfriend. So I'm not saying don't rewatch that movie. It still holds up. But, okay, I agree with you. The happy ending is when you sacrifice something to be with the person you love and the happy ending really should be you saying, you know what? This is taking up so much energy to figure this out. I'm going to go do what I love. And if this is supposed to work, you will follow me. Yes. You will make a sacrifice too.
5: Yeah. Like, so you've got mail. Basically, this person's small business is is destroyed by like a corporation. Why is it not talked about that she gives up everything she believes in basically because she's like, oh my God, it was you and you actually had a crush on me
4: this whole time? Like, okay, what? It's like. Okay, that's a movie that we can't criticize. I'm just saying that she did. I will get the last scene tattooed on my back. No, I know, but I'm just saying it's one
5: of my favorite movies of all time. But in the end, that was crazy that she was like, oh, I actually don't even care that you put me out of business and you're like a corporate monster billionaire. Who cares? And also, I just watched this movie Five Year Engagement because I posted on Instagram, like, does anyone have movies similar to The Family Mm -hmm. Stone and Beth? recommended five-year engagement that was a really interesting one because it basically was like these the, these people are want to get married but their lives keep happening in different directions that is very interesting they both kept having to choose like well do I prioritize this relationship and or do I prioritize what I really want to do because what they wanted to do was in different locations and it never worked when they prioritized the relationship and I think that that was a helpful lesson
4: but at the okay, but let me also quote a movie that I recommended to you, which was Keeping the Faith. Yeah, which I think is a great rewatch, available on HBO streaming. Some services. issues with it, but yeah, there. Devin had some issues with it, and you know, the Catholic Church is a part of it. And let's just say that n- n- in reality, not all is hunky dory over there. Yeah, but spotlight in re- spotlight. in reality, in a word, spotlight. But the love story, I think, has this crux saying that word as a metaphor. Yes. Where the girl is willing to make a sacrifice for the relationship that the guy is not willing to make. They are not meeting. Yeah. And in reality, I think women tend to, in those cases, go that extra yard that the guy is supposed to go. Like, okay, you can't meet me here. I will meet you even farther. You know, a problem I had in a relationship was that a guy wanted to go on trips with me all the time. And so I would move my schedule around to do those trips because he liked going. Guys, on them. by
5: the way, I have to say, like, these are not like luxury trips because I don't want you to think like, wait, he's saying he'll take her on trips. No, it was like like party house Airbnbs.
4: Okay. So we would go on these trips and I would move my schedule around and and some of them, they were really fun, but I would I would have to take breaks and go writing and stuff. And it was just a little bit of it, it was not super casual. Sometimes I, I really had to make do work. And one night I asked him to meet me at dinner for a work thing, a work dinner. Um, I was having dinner with colleagues and he didn't feel like it. And if. I had a little bit less experience. I would have said, oh, my God, it's fine. Oh, my God, it's fine. I totally get it. But I was tired from going to the fucking woods and, you know, not having access to my own shower and bed for a weekend. So I had that moment of. I don't know if this person is meeting me and you really have to take stock of that because. Even if you're willing to make that extra effort now, in the long run, are you going to get fatigued? I know. And I think that
5: that's a thing with being codependent also is it's our natural instinctive mode to over give to a relationship. Like it's like that's just automatically I give more of myself than is necessary. So it always feels like there's a disparity of like, well, why aren't you giving that back? And I've had that in friendships. I've had that in work relationships. I've had that in, in romantic relationships where I'm like, well, I've actually made these insane sacrifices. So the fact that you're not doing like whatever it is, is really annoying. In reality, did anyone ask me to do the insane sacrifices? No, I, I decided no. to in m- many cases. In some cases, the person did ask me to and, and it wasn't fair and whatever.
3: I want true for 90 years we've been right here right now right rug flooring the hardest part for me about this
5: this struggling to deal with my codependency now is setting those boundaries like it's it feels impossible for me to be like then I'll stop giving too much of myself i'm like but i'm afraid then people won't love me if i don't say like i'll pay for everything or like i'll do this crazy thing sure it's hard for me to imagine that because um like i I think if I ask for what I need, and I always feel like,' is it right to ask for what I need? like I always feel confused about like right and then am I being selfish like I can't find a natural middle ground of like I'm showing
4: up, but I'm not demanding too much or too little, and okay, well, this is what I wanna end on, and I'm saying that because we wanted to do a quickie for you, and i I know I'm interrupting Devin, so you know. For the Devon lovers and Carolina haters out there, just forgive me. Okay, but what I wanted to end on, but then I'll say something. Was, but yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. But then I'll
4: finish my thought. But okay. yeah, what I wanted to say before I I fucking interrupt all the time. I interrupt people all the time, and it's because I'm so scared. Okay, don't of be losing scared my train of at all. But what I want every single person out there, male or female, to know that if. You have reasonable demands that a person cannot meet. That is not a relationship. You don't have to convince the people to meet those demands. If they are simple, loving demands, aka, I need to be treated with respect, aka, I need you to come meet my parents, whatever it is, and people cannot do that. These are examples, by the way. That does not mean anything about your worth. That doesn't mean you need to lower your standards. I think standards are pretty low anyways. And you are allowed to ask what you need. You are not as big of a pain in the ass as you think you are.
5: Well, you can speak for me, but I'm not going to tell you you're not as big as a pain in my ass as you think you are, okay? No, I'm kidding. But I do want to say thank you. And I think that, yes, you shouldn't have to beg someone to like love you or do simple things like that. I will also say... Something that's been helping me in the past couple weeks is listening to codependent anthems. And I think I should make a codependent anthems playlist and share it with our listeners.
4: Please.
5: Mostly Taylor Swift, because ta- like, when I first learned what codependency was, which was a few years ago, I was like, oh, so like everything Taylor Swift writes about because her lyrics are like, I'm trying to find a part of me that you didn't take up this song tolerated from her latest album. It's like everything is, it's like I did everything for you and I don't even know if you love me. Like that's like her thing is, what is she saying all too well? She says, I'd like to be my old self again, but I'm still trying to find it. Like it's like she completely loses herself in these relationships, obviously. And then, and I've always related to that. Like people are like, oh, how does she write an entire album about a nine month relationship? I'm like, oh, I completely relate because I literally could write novels and books and dictionaries and encyclopedias about like a three-month thing where I'm like that took over my whole personality
4: someone on Twitter recently said every girl has a love story with someone they never dated exactly and I was like how fucking dare you attack me like this Taylor has used I've noticed one lyric in at least two songs which is I never leave well enough alone yep And there's one, I literally think it's maybe even three songs, but there are in a song, I believe she says, I know that I went psycho on the phone. I never leave well enough alone. That's me. And trouble is going to follow wherever I go. And there's a lot of cool chicks out there, blah, blah, blah. What I think is. We can't just tie things in the simple bow of like, oh, you can't give me what I need and I need X, Y, and Z. We want to interrogate. We want to convince this person we're worth it. We want to basically micromanage and give them advice they're not asking for. And in reality, reality is staring us in the face. Okay, I think that this has been like such an intense episode because we were on a
5: time crunch for both of our work schedules and we were like, okay, okay, so codependency is this. Oh my God, okay. We we don't have much time. The boat is sinking. (laughs) We don't have much time. Oh my God, that's so funny. Okay, this is a message you have to hear
4: before the world completely falls apart.
5: Listen to me. Listen. That we're from the future and we're here to tell you codependency sucks.
4: You know what? Robert De Niro is talking to Bradley Cooper at the end of Silver Linings Playbook. And he's like, listen to me. I didn't listen to my dad. And I know you might not listen to me, but that girl really loves you. She really loves you. But where is that? Okay, so yes.
5: and But part of me is like, I've always felt like in relationships, I'm like, where is that person from the movie
4: in all of my boyfriend's lives? Like, I just want someone to be like, listen, dude, you're fucking it up. But they're always like, I think there are. No, I think there are. I think there's. There are more of those than you know, even if they're silent, even if they're thinking, oh, I don't know if that was a good idea. All right. Well, and that's good enough for me. Loud Robert De Niro's non silent
5: Robert De Niro's. Please find all my ex boyfriends and tell them what they did wrong right now.
4: Same. Okay, Robert De Niro as our next guest on the pod. Okay, and we are catch us next time. We're going to
5: catch you next time. Love you guys. With Robert De Niro. We love you. And
4: we might do a part 2 on this. It's such a good subject and and next time we'll try to make it a little less um emergency room situation and a little more uh pop culture humor. But you know, we you know we can't promise that. We can't promise that. All right. Love you, Carol. Love you, Devin. <sighs>